0: welcome back to another episode of The Drop Zone. I'm Jack Dalio, but I'm not nearly as interesting as the person I got to talk to you for this month's show. Uh, in September, I wrote a story about a record-breaking drone deadlift, and I was lucky enough to get in touch with the man who heads up the company behind that demonstration. Uh, his name is Ed DeRaeus, and his company is Saberwing. They're building some of the biggest delivery drones I've ever heard of. Uh, that deadlift in September carried a payload of 829 pounds, which for context is about the weight of a grizzly bear. Uh, to make it clear, neither I nor Saberwing support the trafficking of animals. But uh, anyway, that lift was actually done using the smaller of Saberwing's two models, uh, the Rigel Alpha. But the Bravo model, which is still in production, will be able to lift more than two tons. Uh, that's more than 4,000 pounds for five grizzly bears to, to keep that metaphor going. Uh, and you don't need any sort of fancy package or Storage container to deliver with Sabre Wing because the cargo hold is actually large and modular enough to fit unit load devices or ULD containers, uh, which is the standard that's used by a typical airliner. Uh, So it can actually carry 12 different kinds of ULDs uh, and it's even able to handle temperature sensitive shipments that require heating and cooling. Uh, So it's hard to quantify just how groundbreaking a drone like this is, uh, but keep in mind that most last mile drones are carrying less than 10 pounds and Even other cargo drones like Elroy Air Chaparral, which you got to hear about uh, a couple months ago, those are only carrying around 500 pounds. I say only like that's a small amount, but those are carrying about 500 pounds at most, uh, which is a fraction of what the the Rigel Bravo model would be able to carry. Uh, So if I've got your attention at this point, I don't plan on losing it because Ed and I had an absolutely fascinating conversation about exactly how Sabrewing is able to do all of this. Uh, So without further delay, here's what Ed had to say. All right, let's dive into it. I'm joined this month by Ed deres. He's the co-founder, chairman and CEO of Sabrewing. uh Ed, thanks for coming on the show this month.
1: Thank you Jack. I really appreciate that yeah it's it's an honor to be here uh, uh great publication I think we uh we we read it avidly because of our market segment so you're you're
0: this is it really is an honor for me to be here thank you. That's always great to hear but uh let's let's talk about you, Ed. Um, so I, okay. I wanted to start off with uh with sort of your origin story. Uh, you know what got you into advanced aviation uh, and what are you building today at Sabrewind
1: um, so I actually started out in uh, aviation even as a kid. My dad was a pilot my brother oldest brother was a pilot, so kind of got into it from that and very early on, I knew I wanted to be uh, in an aviation related field so um, my Although my undergraduate was in electrical engineering was always with a focus on avionics, um, especially when I was in the Air Force, I joined the Air Force uh, pretty much straight out of high school. <clears throat> excuse me and then um, once I went into the Air Force, I was fortunate enough to be able to fly uh, and to test aircraft as well um, after I got my graduate degree so it's um, it's something I've been in now since oh my gosh, this is my forty fifth year going uh, doing this um, with experience and not just tests. Um, and certification of aircraft both military and civilian but also um, with manufacturing and various assets excuse me various aspects of the uh, industry so i'm very uh you know it's i wake up every day still uh, in a uh, happy to get out of bed jump out of bed because i get to play with airplanes every day so it's a it's a it really is my lifelong, lifelong dream to stay in a or be in aviation and and i've been one of those lucky people that' has been able to continue it.
0: Yeah, so you're a real veteran of this industry and um it's it's interesting because you've you've moved from sort of the traditional uh air cargo or air carrier space into this um this more emerging space of, of autonomous drones and uh and eVTOL uh electric vertical takeoff and landing for those who aren't familiar with that term. Um let's let's talk a little bit about the recent deadlifts that ZeroWing completed. Um, so, for those who aren't aware of this, uh, the the Rigol drone uh, is the the model that Saberwing produces, uh, and it deadlifted eight hundred and thirty pounds straight off the ground, just like a helicopter. Uh, this was just uh, just last month. Uh, now, Ed, were you actually there for that deadlift?
1: I wasn't. No, unfortunately. I wish I had been. But um, we, uh, as we get a little bit closer to. Uh, going to production, um, my time has been split between Hayward oxnard, where the company headquarters is um, and then all over the world really we've got uh, partners in japan we've got partners in europe um, and then of course all through the United States, um, including partners in alaska so so it's uh, by new going into this there was going to be quite a wide variety of uh, uh, and, and a long time on the road, so a lot of that was spent but Luckily enough, Oliver, our chief technology officer, is extremely competent. He's, um, you know, a brilliant guy. And so, and we've got an excellent team. All of our team in, in Hayward um, has been excellent. We we call Hayward our Dragonworks facility. It's kind of a play on the Skunk Works and, and uh, Ghost Works and the other, you know, or Phantom sorry. And so for us, uh, it was kind of a natural we started because all of our aircraft are named after dragons, but the uh, so we're the Dragon Works facility is is Hayward. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Um, so you, a lot of work went into this flight. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what exactly went into preparing for this? Uh, well, it was a world record flight, uh, record shattering flight, really. So we knew in order to be able to lift the aircraft
1: and even lift a, a cargo. We were going to have to eke as eke as much uh, thrust as we could out of each one of the ducted fans, and so a lot of our time was spent out um, uh, in the uh, quest to find more, more and more power. And actually, we did. We made those changes that we could make to the ducted fans that yielded immediate results. We have other changes that we're still going to make. Uh, that could bring us as much as 50 percent more power yet on the ducted fans um and so that being the case we for first flight we knew that the 829 pounds we actually started out with well we're going to do 800 pounds and so we put 800 pounds of water ballast on board the aircraft and um and when we uh what we thought was 800 pounds when we it, of course there's specific gravity and everything else that goes with a gallon of water but uh, but anyway that being said we knew uh that uh you know, we were trying to hit that eight hundred pound mark. We hit eight hundred and twenty-nine pounds. And so I said, you know what, we we have more than enough thrust we for double that easily, but let's go ahead and, and call it uh call it even there and see if we can get in the air with that eight hundred and twenty nine pounds. And as I always said it 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 leapt in the air like a homesick angel. This it was more than enough power than what we needed to lift that eight twenty nine. So um it was a great day. It was an exciting day. Uh we haven't been able to celebrate yet because everybody's been been busy trying to get the second flight out and crunch all the data that we took for the first flight. Um but uh but that's coming and that day is coming here very shortly when we'll we'll be able to crack open the champagne bottles. But in the meantime we're really uh we're really moving ahead
0: very, very quickly. And we'll all be waiting patiently for that next flight. Uh but you you mentioned those ducted fans and some of the pushback that you received from using uh that sort of system, but What you've done is really combined those fans with uh, sort of a unique system, at least among the the drone or or uh, the UAV industry. Uh, You've got this turbo electric drivetrain, which uh, is is sort of an alternative to the the standard battery powered model, right? Right. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: It's a um, we knew I I was before I founded Saberwing. I worked for another company um, that was relying on batteries to. to do conversions on various aircraft. And uh, the disadvantages of batteries, one was the fact that they were heavy. I mean, you can't get away from that. The second was that they really, the range that was required and the sacrifices that had to be made for that range uh, really ate into cargo capacity and, and you know, weight carrying capacity. Uh, <clears throat> and so based on that, <clears throat> we had made the, we'd always been investigating a, a, a turboelectric, drive, or actually a, uh, uh, an ICE, internal combustion engine slash generator configuration. The best power-to-weight ratio out there besides a Wankel rotary is a lot Dr. Mahler, but uh, besides a Wankel rotary is really the turbine. And so for us, it was kind of a no-brainer. We actually investigated. We put out a, a request for proposals to everybody, Rolls-Royce and General Electric and Pratt Whitney, Safran, you know all the major aircraft manufacturers, and the only one that really had a motor that fit our horsepower needs, our you know everything that went with it, um, was really Safran, and so we chose for the for the Bravo model, we originally so, uh, chose the Ardent uh, three, um, which is fifty percent sustainable uh, aircraft fuel SAF. Uh, right now, that's their certification, and then on top of that. Uh, we knew for this for this alpha model that we we flew, we were going to need something that was still very lightweight, but very high horsepower, um, and so we chose then the the aerial. And luckily enough, our development partners Safran have been excellent. They really they've really helped us uh, quite a bit with our you know design, providing us with engineering help, um, providing us with just about everything we needed, and so so that's what's in the alpha model is the saffron uh aerial uh 2d i believe it is 2, 2, 2d 2e sorry uh, but it's also 50 percent sustainable aviation fuel it's a motor that has millions of flight hours on it uh, very reliable very low maintenance <clears throat> very high output uh, so it's an excellent engine and we're very very pleased with it pleased again to saffron they've built a, a, a heck of a I mean, all my career, I'd always worked with Pratt Whitney or GE or one of those motors. Not had never really flown in a, in a saffron-powered air vehicle because, quite honestly, they're mostly here in uh, here in the United States. They're not a, a, a as is as, um, ubiquitous as the others. But once we put it in and tested it, it's something that we, you know, we knew from the from the very beginning. This was kind of a marriage made in heaven, so to speak
0: yeah the the motor that you that you use from saffron they actually use that uh correct me if i'm wrong here but uh to power helicopters correct correct it
1: does yeah it's
0: um has excellent
1: characteristics it's got a uh a perfect gearbox for what we need um it's got a uh or it's you know gearable and does really well when it's geared yeah so
0: that that motor can it powers helicopters and it also allows your drone to sort of take off like a helicopter would um, but that's not the only way that you're able to take off, correct?
1: <clears throat> that's true. So because we can do uh we can change the orientation of the ducted fans, um, we can so we they're pointed upwards for a vertical takeoff and landing. Um they're but we can also orient them com- uh, flush with the with the water, what they call the water line of the aircraft or the you know the the nose-to-tail line. And take off as a conventional aircraft. Um, as a matter of fact, typically what we would do is actually even go a step from there and rotate them at about 45 degrees for a very short runway run. And we have a simulator that's a physics based simulator that we spent a, a lot of time and effort putting together to make sure it was, it, it was very high fidelity. And so we've been able to do max perform or max weight takeoffs at the aircraft maximum gross weight, even over our maximum gross weight by Rotating the fans 45 degrees, so it provides a downward component of the thrust and an aftward com- aftward component of thrust, and the aircraft can then get in the air in as little as 100 feet at max gross weight. So it's a really short takeoff. It's what they call super stole, super short takeoff and landing uh, with a with a maximum cargo load. And even with the Bravo model, we have that capability. We should be able to get off the ground in uh, 200 to, but less, certainly less than 300 feet. Even at max gross weight, which is well over thirteen thousand pounds,
0: so you're really getting the lift of, of like a fighter jet,
1: right? Oh, it's huge. Yeah, since you're, and that's a good point, actually. Um, when you take off vertically, you have to produce more thrust than the aircraft weighs. A helicopter does as well. It's uh, so your 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 thrust downwards is more thrust than the next number of kilos or pounds than the aircraft itself weighs. But certainly, if you look at an F sixteen, their thrust or weight ratios. Uh, excuse me, F-15, about one to one. So they can literally take off and climb vertically because of the fact that, you know, they have more thrust than they, than they can than, than the aircraft weighs. And so we're similar from that. We produce more thrust than the aircraft weighs. Now, if we get if we use the aircraft to uh, and and put more weight up to the thrust and actually even more than the thrust that we produce, we we can actually do two two times more. The aircraft weight up to even three times more the aircraft weight because we can produce more than enough thrust. And then now with that downward component, it's like a vectored thrust. Is exactly what it is. So by we call it bias, but by biasing the fans at forty five degrees uh, and that downward and afterward thrust component, it provides both extra lift. The other thing we can do on the ground is change the angle of attack before we get in the air, so the wings have are their optimum. Uh, angle of attack and of course a very low uh stall speed for the aircraft so the the alpha doesn't have it but the bravo will it's the leading edge flaps and trailing edge flaps to really lower that stall speed and they're those are crucial to not only for the uh, the short takeoff and landing but of course it's crucial as well in uh, in transition speed so even at, when we take off vertically we, because of all the thrust that we produce, we almost immediately start rotating the fans and we hit our stall speed within seconds of rotating the fans, start starting the rotation of the fan. So we transition almost immediately.
0: Yes. Yeah, so you have really this kind of diverse array of, of ways that you can take off. Um, and, and so far, you, you mentioned that you've got the, the Alpha and the Bravo model. Uh, so far, we've sort of focused on the Alpha model. That was the one that was used in that deadlift of 830 pounds. but uh, the Bravo model, um, I, as as far as I'm aware, um, is the the plan is for it to be able to carry up to two tons of payload. Is that right? So it'll
1: do that vertically. That's correct. The Bravo model, as a matter of fact, we can carry right now in the in the simulator. We've been able to carry easily 5,400 pounds, uh, roughly 2,400 kilos, um, and then of course the uh, fully loaded. Uh, it, it can carry a payload of 10,000, although FA requirements for Part 135, which all the cargo carriers are, or most of them are, um, either that or 121, but the limit is 8,000 pounds of cargo for our size aircraft. So, But that the other 2,000 pounds can be used as fuel. So it can carry 8,000 pounds of cargo, an additional 2,000 pounds of fuel, and basically double the, the range of the aircraft easily. So going from 1,000 nautical miles, then you, it's easy for us to hit t- well, better than two, about twenty four hundred nautical miles with
0: reserves, and you'll be able to use that to carry uh, lots of different kinds of cargo as well, right? Um, I, mean, I know that you're able to uh, to fit this system in with sort of the the standard container system used by uh, by air cargo and, and airlines.
1: That's correct. That was the other thing. We we spent a lot of time talking to potential customers and our customers. Um, they're really the ones that I always say. They're as much as I'd like to say that I was the designer and oliver designed it in reality it was designed by our customers they said we want this we want that there were several requirements that they said right off the bat was uh, because at one point we were investigating doing our own custom cargo container and we were told almost immediately no you know what cargo containers we have we don't want to have a cargo container that only works on your airplane doesn't work on anything else so it's got to have cargo uh, be able to fit standard ulds and so uh, the unit load devices, sorry. Um, so we, we designed it to be able to carry that. And over time, actually, we've been really pushing the boundaries using computer simulations and everything else. And so the Bravo model can now carry four LD2s. Um, it can carry three LD3s, including the reefer model, the refrigerated model, uh, and, and any combination thereof. As a matter of fact, there are 10 different types that we're able to carry, including the two uh, half pallets basically one pallet worth, but the two PL, what they call the PLA half pallet, we can carry two of those in the cargo space. So we have, I would t- I tell people the Rigel, the Bravo model is best in class, even the Alpha model, but the but the Rigel is, uh, BMO, Bravo model is the best in class from the fact that we can carry, uh, we have 675 cubic feet of cargo space in a 240 inch uh, long uh, cargo compartment. And so the capabilities of being able to carry that, it took us from being first mile, um, middle mile now to first middle, first middle and last mile. There's nobody that can carry the cargo, even from the very first flight going back to the Alpha model. I think that was one of the reasons that really drove that back to what you said. But we had to show that we were capable of carrying much more cargo than anyone even of our competitors and as it turned out it was a cargo that nobody else has been able to, a size that nobody's been able to carry except for the military they carry but their cargo is a little bit different um but but still it's uh, for a commercial commercially developed cargo carrier it's well up there i mean the closest our closest competitor uh, they can carry about the same amount of cargo as a Cessna 172 They're slower than the Cessna 172. They can't fly as high as the Cessna 172 and, uh, and they can't carry as much weight. So really when we get asked this by our, our uh, customers, we always have to say, well, if you, if you're looking to buy something with the same capacity as 172, it probably makes more sense to buy the 172 simply because, you you know, you can carry more and it's cheaper than, but if you're looking for something that's, you know, orders of magnitude greater, the, the Bravo model is really what, what, Makes a lot more sense.
0: Yeah, that that kind of capacity uh, for for an autonomous drone is really just a game changer. And um, I know the Bravo model is still in production, but you know, how do you envision these kinds of heavy duty drones being used? Uh, you know, what sorts of cargo do you think they're going to carry? Uh, where will they be flying? Uh, could you see these being used to go between warehouses, from airport to warehouse and vice versa? You know, I, I think the possibilities here are, are just endless. But where do you see uh, this kind of technology going?
1: Um, good observation. Yeah, I agree with you. I would say all of the above. Uh, but in reality, when we created the, the aircraft, uh, we thought just air cargo, that was kind of what we we're looking at. You know, you fly into an airport, you discharge a bigger aircraft, you shove ULDs in and it goes off. But in actuality, our customers have been everything from, um, air ambulance to, um, you know, being able to do uh, to deliver uh, very high-value uh, medicines um, like the COVID uh, vaccine, because we can refrigerate the 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 ULD threes, uh, even things like COVID vaccines uh, would be perfect. We can actually fly to a location, leave the aircraft on the ground, keep the cargo refrigerated until they need it, and then when they when they're ready, they just close the door and send it back. But it's able to ref- keep it refrigerated. There's so many cases that our customers have really come up with. It's just uh, amazing, um, and even from a military side, we can carry, uh, you know, not just uh, electro optics and you know synthetic aperture radars and all sorts of things like that, but we can also carry cargo as well. We we get that a lot. We, we always say we have a non lethal mission, which is true. You can't hang bomb bombs off of it, you can't do any of that. And even from the aspect that the detect and avoid system wouldn't allow it to be used in a you know, as a suicide drone is kind of big right now, people are hearing that. But the detect and avoid system would prevent that from happening. So but all that being said, even in a in a military environment, it's it can go farther than any other drone. It can deliver tons of cargo without without ever putting a human at uh, at, lo- at risk uh, for their life. And then, of course, finally, in the case of battlefield, <clears throat> what they call CASAVAC, casualty evacuation, um, we actually have a contract with the Air Force right now to investigate the possibility of using it. Not using real humans, we can't do that right now, but still to be able to put people inside the aircraft and fly it, or dummies really, inside the aircraft um, and fly it to remote locations or fly to remote locations and bring it back We're one of the few that can fly just about anywhere on Earth. There really isn't much, many, there aren't many locations where we couldn't go. Um, It has the capability of really going anywhere. Um, One of the restrictions we saw years ago was the fact that we were only, we thought we were only capable of going up to about 22,000 feet because of some of the sense of electronics we had on board. Now that, that the electronics have been upgraded over the years, we now don't have a, um, you know, a restriction on our service ceiling, so we could go up very, very high, well over thirty thousand feet, and uh, and we have the power, we have the capability to do so. The power in the ducted fan. So it's really, I think the future is limitless. Really, to tell you the truth, we can fly in any almost any weather, hail that nobody else can. But we can fly in heavy icing, we can fly in hurricane force winds, um, and never put a human life in danger in doing so.
0: Yeah, you've you've really got all the capabilities of an airliner and and then some. Uh, just just because you're able to have so much flexibility in where you're able to fly, how you're able to fly, how you're able to take off and land, um, it's just really it's it's exciting to think about. Ed, I just wanted to say thanks again for for joining me on the show this month. Uh, you've been a great guest, and I think that uh, that our audience has a ton to learn about Rigel and about about what you're doing over at Sabre Wing. So again. Thank you so much for for joining the show.
1: You bet. Thank you, Jack. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking with you a lot more in the future too.
0: Uh, I try not to play favorites on this show, but I have to say that that was one of the most interesting pieces of tech I've covered so far. I mean, the possibilities are just wild. You could use this kind of drone to make deliveries from a store to a customer 300 miles away, or you could fly them from airports to warehouses. Uh, you could fly them between warehouses to distribute inventory. Uh, you could maybe even do some ship to shore uh, without needing the ship to be anchored just off the coast. Uh, instead, a drone could cover 100 miles over the water. Uh, there are just so many potential applications for this kind of drone, which really is a miniature airplane. Uh, it can hold the same cargo. And while it can't fly as far, it has so much flexibility in where it can fly and land because of that eVTOL technology, uh, that electric electric vertical takeoff and landing. Uh, So you don't need a runway, you don't need an air traffic control tower, you just need the drone and the cargo. Uh, So obviously the full potential of this kind of tech is still a few years out, given that the Bravo model is still in production. But what Sabrewing did in September is proof that we're getting closer. Uh, It may not be long before you see drones carrying pianos and refrigerators alongside food and drinks.